This episode is supported by 3D Hubs. 3D Hubs is the online on-demand manufacturing solution for sourcing high-precision CNC parts. 3D Hubs understands that sourcing parts from quality manufacturers in a cost-effective way can involve a lot of hassle and time. That's why 3D Hubs has developed an online on-demand manufacturing platform that allows you to send CNC parts to production in less than five minutes. Simply upload your parts and specify your material, process and desired surface finish. After specifying the requirements, you'll receive an instant price for manufacturing. Check the manufacturability of your parts with instant DFM feedback tools and when you're ready, submit your order. When submitted, your order's picked up by one of their certified manufacturing partners with instant capacity available. You can also keep track of the status of your order all the way until you have your parts in your hands. 3D Hubs works with engineers worldwide from the US and Australia to Europe to help them source their CNC machine parts hassle-free and cost-effectively. To learn more about 3D Hubs and to receive an instant quote for your CNC parts, go to 3dhubs.com slash CNC hyphen machining. We have to find a new aircraft for this very, very important public service. Our fleet is about to pass its lifetime. And we have, together with Bombardier, uh, developed a life extension program on this uh, 25 of the smallest aircraft. But then we have to find another solution. Uh, We are convinced that by 2030, we have seen a technology shift uh, in in the way the aircrafts are manufactured and powered. And we have every reason to believe that the next generation of, uh, of regional aircrafts under 50 seats are powered by electric engines. Welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Bernadette Ballantyne, and this week we're examining a technology that's at the start of a long and transformative journey, electric aviation. The voice you just heard is Steen Nielsen, Chief Operating Officer of Vidura, speaking at the Nordic EV Summit. Vidura is Norway's domestic airline, which operates 450 flights a day, carries 2.8 million passengers every year, has 44 aircraft and turns over 300 million a year. Its services connect the rural coastal communities of Norway and its cities, and these are considered vital in terms of national connectivity. But they also have some very specific challenges. It's not possible to, to live or to uh, have businesses out there in the rural areas without this very important uh, public service network. And this network is very special, uh, not only for, uh, for the customers, but also for us. It's an Arctic coastal climate with alternating winds and really demanding ice conditions. And this gives very, very challenging flight operation conditions. And this combined with steep approach and very, very short runways down to 790 meters poses a very special challenge along the Norwegian coast. This has led to years of development of the aircraft that Vidura use on their short haul network, the Bombardier-8100. We mostly fly this network with an old, very, very old and very good aircraft called Bombardier-8, 100-200, specially designed for uh, coping with this kind of uh, uh, conditions. Vidra, in fact, together with Bombardier, has developed a number of modifications on this aircraft uh, to make it suitable for steep approaches and and landing on short, snow-capped runways in heavy winds. And it's a really, really good uh, aircraft, this one. 
Unfortunately, however, the, the aircraft is no longer manufactured, nor is there any other suitable aircraft available out there for, with the similar features as uh, this Dash 8 100-200. And of course, this gives us in Vidra a challenge. 75% of the short-haul network involves flights of under 300 kilometers, which Nielsen says makes it highly suitable for a new generation of electric aeroplanes. Vidra and many others in the industry expect that small aircraft like four, six or nine-seater planes will start the electric aviation transition. In fact, there's already two-seat electric planes being used for pilot training. Nielsen says that what Vidra really needs is 19 to 50-seat planes that can contribute towards decarbonisation of transport and should be zero to low emission. Despite the short journeys being suitable for fully electric flight, potentially, Nielsen says he sees a hybrid solution as essential for providing the range extension that might be needed in unforeseen circumstances. Vidra should ideally start a replacement of Dash 8 100, 200, between 25 and 30, but we can hold for a couple of uh, more years. But we really like to be a first mover on this one and, and are really planning for a pilot project with a very, very small aircraft, maybe as early as 23. And that's a big ambition. And, and of course, we are setting up this time frame to try to press the OEMs, the producers, to move fast. Videra then has set a challenge to the industry. It wants to buy short-haul hybrid electric planes to replace its ageing fleet of Dash 100 and 200s by 2030 or not long after. Can the industry meet this challenge? Dr Jean Botti used to be Chief Technical Officer at Airbus, where he was in charge of the EFAN project, the two-seat electric plane that made headlines in March 2015 when it crossed the English Channel. So convinced is Jean Botti about the future of electric aviation that he left Airbus to work full-time on a new hybrid electric flight concept, and he's now Chief Executive of Voltero. There are 192 projects today of electric in the world. Uh, a lot of them will not make it. First of all, today we're ready for kilowatts. And to make a big airplane, you need to be into the megawatt range. So going you know, to make up to 10 seats right now, you can do it. Going to 100 seats, you cannot do it. It's that simple. Development is needed in a multitude of key areas, including cell technology to increase battery power density, investment in connectors that can withstand the thousands of watts running through wires, electromagnetic compatibility and interference. And once the technical issues are resolved, the new generation of electric aircraft needs certification by relevant safety agencies. And this is perhaps the biggest challenge, and we'll discuss that later. Right now, Botti's focused on Voltero's latest plane, the Casio. This new plane will have a much larger takeoff weight than the 600 kilo E-Fan at 2.5 tonnes, potentially taking up to nine passengers. It will have a three and a half hour range and is capable of eight rotations a day, making it suitable for commercial use. In terms of existing planes, Botti says it will compete with the Cessna 172 and 182 models. It will also have a backup thermal energy system, giving the redundancy that Vidura has already highlighted as being essential. Nice thing about this aircraft is got safety. Automatically, I go from mechanical energy if I have a problem into electric, if I have a problem with electric energy, a battery or something that happens, I can switch to mechanical. This is very important. 
The other feature is when I am going into taxi, you know, take off, it's all electric. When I land, it's all electric. When I am on flight, I am in hybrid. Okay, so there is this hybridization that is very important here. Here, Jean Bottis shows delegates an image of the Casio, and if you go to the Voltero website, you'll be able to see that too. He points out two electric propellers on the wings at the front of the plane, each powered by 60 kilowatt motors, and one in the back that allows the transition between electrical and mechanical. This gives it what's known as a push-pull configuration. The forward-facing propellers provide the pull and are used for takeoff and landing. The push comes from the rear propeller, driven by a 170 kilowatt internal combustion engine, and is used during cruise flight. This engine is also used to charge the onboard batteries for the aircraft's electric motors. Installed along with the internal combustion engine is a 150 kilowatt electric motor, which provides an added safety function, offering an immediate auto-start capability with its electric motor to drive the push propeller if the forward-facing pull electric motors encounter any problems during critical moments of flight, such as the takeoff. And on the flight, when you take this electric landing and, and, and um, takeoff, when you take cruise, on, on uh, you know, by recharging the battery, all this should give you a 10 to 15% fuel economy, at least compared to today. Of the 192 projects that Jean Botti mentioned, some are worth noting. His former employer Airbus is now working on the EFAN X project with Rolls-Royce and Siemens. This is an attempt to take electric aviation to the next scale, seeking to deliver 2 megawatts of power. The idea is to replace one of the four gas turbines on a British Aerospace RJ100 with a new electrically powered 2 megawatt motor, creating a large-scale hybrid aircraft. Airbus say they'll investigate the challenges of such a high-power propulsion system, such as thermal effects, electric thrust management, altitude and dynamic effects on the electric systems, and electromagnetic compatibility issues. It will also work with the authorities to establish certification requirements for electrically powered aircraft. And first test flights are scheduled for 2020. Meanwhile, Israeli firm Eviation is seeking to become the world's first all-electric commuter plane. Customers will have a choice of either Magnix or Siemens motors, powered by a 900 kilowatt hour battery pack. These will turn three sets of five-blade propellers, two on the wing and one at the rear. It says it'll seek certification from the US Federal Aviation Administration in 2021, with a view to going into service in 2022. But as these planes prove technical and economic basis for electric flight, they also have to prove the safety case, and that's the challenge that Dr Jean Botti mentioned earlier. Certification by safety authorities is quite rightly an extremely thorough and lengthy process that can take years. National civil aviation authorities can certify planes, but most seek international certification from the European Union Aviation Safety Agency or from the US's FAA. For the EASA, for example, it's a four-step process, starting with technical familiarisation. This step requires that the aircraft manufacturer presents the project to the authorities only after it's reached a sufficient level of maturity so that a basis for certification can be created. The next step is establishment of a certification programme, designed to establish the methods that will be used to test the aircraft meets requirements of this basis for certification. The third step, then, is that of demonstrating this compliance, and this alone can take five years for a large aircraft. Here, the structure, engines, control systems, electrical systems and flight performance are analysed against the certification basis. 
This compliance demonstration is done by analysis during both ground and in-flight testing. The fourth and final stage is technical closure and issue of approval. So the challenge facing the entire industry right now is that electric aviation is immature, making it challenging even to embark upon the first step, creating the basis for certification. Everything has been written. The marine industry has, has similar problems. They've spent the last 100 years writing legislation and standards based on combustion engines. This is Neil Swanson, a director at the Electric Vehicle Association of Scotland. He explains that the transition to battery power has widespread implications for the certification process, from pilot training to flight dynamics. And this is the case whether it's a whole new electric plane or modification of conventional aircraft. The wing of an aircraft obviously generally carries a fuel tank, or two or three. So the design of that wing has got to be able to accommodate a full load of fuel at takeoff and then keep the plane up, obviously provide the, the the lift and hold up the weight of the fuselage through the wing route. So you actually have to engineer the framework in there to support the weight of the fuel when it's on the ground. But with the battery, the battery can actually form part of the framework to hold up the battery and that mass will be pretty much unchanged throughout duration of the flight. So you're back to when it lands, it's now landing with a lot more mass. Uh, if you think typically a plane lands with empty fuel tanks, they're not meant to come in full at all. So you're, you're changing your flight dynamics. So that may affect the landing rollout quite significantly, uh, which will come back to recertification again. Pilot training for electric planes will also be very different. But they spend a lot of time trying to make sure the engine works properly and can deliver power. So a lot of their training involves around understanding atmospheric conditions. So you might end up with somebody who can fly an electric plane but wouldn't be allowed in a combustion engine one because about half of what they learn uh, beyond the, 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 the base, how to fly the plane and how to drive the avionics, doesn't apply. So there's, there's a, a culture shift there, but also understanding how to react to things like battery temperature, battery voltage alarms, the connectors in terms of mechanical reliability. Then there's the airport to consider. We were talking mainly about the aircraft there, but you also then go, right, you're landing at an airfield and you have the first responders. They now know how to deal with a battery aircraft when things go wrong. Uh, so there are every aircraft has its own standard of response that the, that the aircraft fire crew will have. Uh, these days, they, they know and they read about what will they will face with each aircraft. The certification challenge then is a big one. Airline manufacturers say they're working with certification authorities as they develop the new electric propulsion systems. The fact that this is going to be difficult is no deterrent for markets like Norway, which has announced its ambition to be fully electric by 2040 and outperform the requirements of the EU Flight Path 2050. This calls for a 75% reduction in carbon emissions, a 90% reduction in nitrous oxide emissions and a 65% reduction in noise pollution by 2050. Achieving these targets requires dramatic change in the aviation sector from the use of biofuels to electrification. The challenge now is for manufacturers to give customers like Vidura the clean technology that they're asking for. Engineering Matters is a production of Reby Media, hosted and produced by Bernadette Valentine, edited by John Young, 
fact-checking by Rian Owen. Special thanks to the Norwegian Electric Vehicle Association, Vidura, Voltero, and the Electric Vehicle Association of Scotland. Rory Harris is the executive aviator. Additional music by Pond5. If you like this podcast, please leave us a comment or review on your podcast app, which really helps others to hear about us. Or simply tell a friend to have a listen. Engineering Matters can be found on all podcast apps and on our website, engineeringmatters.reby.media. We're also on Facebook, Reddit and LinkedIn, and you can follow us on Twitter at Engineer Matters. Are you involved with engineering that matters? Let us tell your story. Contact Ryan at rebymedia.com. That's Ryan at R-E-B-Y media.com.